0: Hi, I'm Rachel O'Meara, author of PAUSE, harnessing the life-changing power of giving yourself a break. I'm excited that you're here today and joining me on the PAUSE cast, where I interview thought leaders in the world of raising our consciousness, emotional intelligence, and helping us really reach our potential. For more information, you can go to my website, RachelO'Mara.com, and download my free guidebook, How to Turn Burnout into Thriving at Work. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. today. I'm your host, Rachel O'Meara, and I'm really super excited because, one, I am with Chip Conley, who's here today, but I'm also in person with Chip. Hi, Chip. How are you Yay, doing? Yeah, Yay. Yay. First our mirror, person.
1: Our mirror neurons can play together.
0: I know. And, and uh, I just was like, I literally popped open a page on your book, and it was all about connection. So mm. I, I thought that was appropriate. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Chip, which probably isn't too many of us, I wanna share a little bit about Chip, who I have known for a few years. I think you popped up on a couple conference circuits when I was back in the day uh, at work. But overall, Chip is a best selling author. His latest book that came out recently is called Wisdom at Work The Making of a Modern Elder. He's also so many other things strategic advisor at Airbnb, he founded the Joy de Vivre hotel chain and even did some work with festivals I recall mm-hmm. and and creating a, a directory for those uh, a burning man fan someone after my own heart as well and on the
1: burning man board <laughs> who knew that and on
0: the burning Man board you have yeah. you have clout wow that's great so it's so exciting to have you here today I'm very grateful for our time together and would love to turn it over to you if you're up for hosting a Pause or any intentional shifting sure. behavior. If you'd like to lead us in one quick why don't we fine.
1: first close our eyes. We'll just this will, this will not take a lot of time. Just take a moment. um Just close our eyes and notice our breath. But more importantly, notice what else in our body is going on. Is our heart racing? How do we take that down to the to the pace of our breath? Uh, are there a lot of thoughts in our head? if that's the case open up the louvered windows on your forehead (laughs) when i'm meditating i like to actually imagine that i can open up the louvers in my forehead when i feel a little overheated up there and i can have just natural air flowing into my brain up there so do a little bit of a, a breath into that forehead region
0: Let the breath go in
1: and out of your forehead. Someone clearly is trying to get a hold of us. I trying to turn it down.
0: Yeah.
1: I um, we're going to come back now, and um, I think we're going to talk.
0: Yeah. Thank you. I think it's an appropriate moment to say, yeah, there are always distractions that come in, just That's like a couple true. pings there. And I think that we just have to persevere and keep going, so thank you for that. Mm-hmm. So I know we've met a few times, you, you mm-hmm. spoke at Google yeah. recently about the modern elder, and I'm curious a little mm-hmm. bit about, uh, you've had a diverse set of backgrounds with different companies. Mm-hmm. and. I really find it fascinating because I think a lot of times we move careers, but we don't really pause first. We don't really mm-hmm. intentionally shift our behavior. So what would you say is something that you've uh, taken? For example, this last move to Airbnb, mm-hmm. did you pause before that? Did you kind of really think about it?
1: Yes, there's no doubt. I, I mean, clear. I, I love the fact, Rachel, that you talked about for sort of the intentionality of taking a pause. So much of our life feels like we're on some river that's just flowing and we can't get over to this little eddy on the side where we can actually sort of just observe it all for a moment. Um, When I was asked six years ago by Brian Chesky, one of the co-founders and CEO of Airbnb to be his in-house mentor and be the head of uh, hospitality and strategy for the company, I did take a pause. First of all, I said to him, I'll do 15 hours a week. I actually told him eight and we agreed on 15 And then I took a little bit of a break um, before starting. And then quickly, within two weeks, it was clear it was a a 15-hour-a-day job, not a a 15-hour-a-week job. And then I took a pause again. and took a weekend, and I uh, thought about it, and I said, you know what, it's very clear that the company needs me more than I have um, identified in terms of my schedule, the time I could give them. So either I can't do this, and I have to walk away from it, or I need to be willing to step in fully and which means I'm going to have to edit the rest of my life pretty pretty drastically. And this was a, a, this was 6 years ago at a time when Airbnb really wasn't, you know, a household word. It was mm-hmm. a like 1/20th the size that we are today in terms of our revenues. So it was not I mean I I, I want to be really clear it was not A certainty from a financial perspective, it was going to be all that great of a a thing to do. In fact, I started working for Mm -hmm. the company for free. I said, just give me a little bit of stock and you don't even have to pay me. So I had to really change my perspective and get an intentional, you know, uh, willingness to step in. And I also had to sort of understand that I was brought on to be the mentor of Brian because I had led my own, uh, as CEO of my own uh, boutique hotel company, Chihuahua for 24 years. But I was also an intern, mm. I, was the, I was the mentor and the intern. I realized a couple weeks into it, like I don't even understand the tech lingo. You work at Google yeah. and you've been in, mm-hmm. around, surrounded mm-hmm. by engineers, but like I, I don't have that as my history. I have my history of being uh, a real estate developer slash um, boutique hotelier. And so I felt very dumb actually in terms of a lot of areas and at age 52 you're not supposed to feel dumb yeah um, and if you feel dumb as, as someone mid to later life you actually shy away from that you know I mean maybe when you're younger you're like okay I'm going to learn more about that but a lot of times people in midlife or in their 50s are more inclined to stay away from the areas that they feel uh, ill-equipped for so I needed to actually be intentional and say you know what I'm going to d- jump feet first but I'm actually going to have to do this as both the curious intern, and the wise mentor at the same time. And that's been the beauty of the six-year relationship is I have been what we're calling the modern elder, who is a combination of learner and teacher, um, whereas the elder of the past might have just been purely the teacher. Uh, And that's, uh, that's worked out well for me.
0: You're the mentor.
1: I'm the mentor, mentor yeah. and intern together.
0: Intern, intern. I think sure. I think
1: mentor, mentor is is the better of those two.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I relate a lot. I think just being a Googler and 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 knowing there's different generations now, and I know there's five generations we're working with now. Yeah, right. That's the Gen crazy. Z coming along.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's really interesting. Um, there, we've had a, sort of an age segregation for you know a lot of years yeah. in the in the workplace especially in, in, in small, small tech firms that are often just younger people. But I think the thing that's interesting about having these different generations is it's almost like an intergenerational potluck. We all have something to bring to the table and uh, I think when you think of it that way and start organizing it that way, um, you, you realize that um, age diversity in an organization is maybe as important as gender diversity and racial diversity. Um, and all kinds of diversity because it actually adds a cognitive diversity. The idea of people who have a different point of view, and I think having people with different points of view in the room at the same time uh-huh. means we don't get into groupthink.
0: Yeah, I, I, uh, what's coming to mind for me is you, you've done a lot of work yourself in emotional intelligence and in your book uh-huh. uh, emotional, emotional Equations. Equations. Yeah. Yeah. I know uh, was a couple years ago, but can you talk a little bit about the the, the digital EQ the DQ, the DQ and the EQ and, sure. and how two of those can be what can, what can I gain if I if I am younger and I and I I think there could be things to learn.
1: Yeah, so let me start by saying, what I'm gonna say here is somewhat stereotypical, and so let's be cautious of knowing that, that this doesn't match everybody in, in the population, but generally speaking, the yeah. older you get, you get better at EQ, emotional intelligence. There's a lot of data that shows that. You don't necessarily get a more better IQ over time, but you do, do get your EQ. DQ, and oh, my god, they're coming got for some, us. We got they're some
0: high-impact high sirens outside. Is, you know,
1: I love meditating with sirens, um, City living. And do, yeah, I just got back from New York and it was like, <laughs> I was meditating the science. Um, so DQ is digital intelligence and it is maybe right now the most prized form of intelligence in companies as, you know, seven of the 10 most valuable companies in the, in the world today are tech companies. Mm. And so all companies are trying to sort of fashion themselves after uh, a tech company, which means that digital intelligence becomes predominant. And as it becomes predominant, we get to a place where people, generally, a lot of companies are seeking out younger digital natives. So I think the opportunity in the workplace is to realize often younger people may be brilliant at technology and digital strategies and things like that, but, you know, they haven't necessarily had as much time in leadership or emotional intelligence. And so that... Opportunity for me to be the older person, being able to give leadership, guidance, and some emotional intelligence tips, uh, self awareness tips, things like that, to someone younger than me who's teaching me how to use my iPhone, who's teaching me yeah. what's it like to create product. I didn't even know the word product. I spoke to the website. I thought I thought be product was our apartments and our homes. Right. And so understanding what works in product, what's a great product market fit, how do you work with Silicon Valley investors, uh, venture capitalists? These are things I didn't know. And it was my, my younger uh, folks like Brian, who's 21 years younger than me, who I was mentoring, mm-hmm. but he's my boss, who taught me some of those things.
0: Mm. So it sounds like a good barter system. Yeah. Is there an example you could share? Like what would be something that you would share from your own Repertoire of of EQ that could be something a younger person might be like. Oh, that would be helpful. Well, there know. was a
1: time a few years ago where Brian Brian's a just he works really long hours and really hard, and he and he's got the stamina of an ener, you know Energizer bunny. Mm-hmm. And we had gone through a really um very busy time, and the leadership team was completely worn out, and we were going into Thanksgiving, and I said you know, Brian, uh, let's make sure everybody gets the full four days of Thanksgiving off, but also, you know what you might consider doing because a lot of us on the team haven't seen families a whole lot lately in the last month or two. Truly people have been working on weekends, they've been working till 10 o'clock at yeah. night. I'd suggest you actually think about, find out from the EA of each of the people on the team, what the, if there's a spouse and if there's a spouse, what it is the spouse and family would appreciate as a gift and send a Thanksgiving mm. gift a, a gift of gratitude, not just to your direct reports or the people in the leadership team, send it to their family because those are the people, who, frankly, in many awesome. ways who, yeah. who are supporting that person and also saying to that person, why are you working so hard? Why don't we get to see you very much? And so you're actually sending this to them to say, thank you for letting us have Mike or Belinda or whomever yeah. here in the office as much as they've been the last month or two. And it went over really awesome. well.
0: That's great. And not, what, a better, what better way to to say thanks than to really recognize the folks who need to support that person. Such a good example, love it. What else are you uh, involved with knowing that you're kind of holding this wisdom at work, Modern Elder, uh, role? Like, how does that play out in the day to day here?
1: Well, day to day here at Airbnb, it, it it means, for example, we have a wisdom at work. So you have a something called the Greglers. We well, have the Greglers. at the Google, Greggler. Which to
0: me, I'm I i do not love that name. I yeah. feel like it's a little bit putting yeah. off. But
1: yeah, yeah. Well, what I, do you have? We have wisdom at work. We called. Okay. Well, i We call it wisdom at Airbnb. So my my book yeah. name is wisdom at work and Airbnb's group of people forty and older. Now, for some people out there saying. 40 and older is old well you know it's about 10 percent of our Mm -hmm. employee population that's the
0: greglers is 40 and over yeah 90
1: percent of our population here is is actually under 40. so so when people say elder is such a that's a terrible word and i say well why do you think so and so they describe it and they say what they're really describing is elderly and elder and elderly are two different things Mm -hmm. elderly is generally something that you are in the last 10 years of your life elder is in essence being older than the people around you which is why it's a relative term if you're a 40 year old at airbnb surrounded by 26 year olds you're generationally two different generations gen x and millennial and you might have a different point of view on some things because of that generational difference you might even also have some experience and wisdom that you can bring to the table as an elder so i the our wisdom at, at airbnb group it helps to bring our you know older people together to sort of talk about how do we how do we elevate wisdom within the company but I do a lot of other things. The number one thing I'm focused on right now is our modern elder academy, which is a Tell us um, about that. which is unrelated to my Airbnb work. It's um, uh, down in Mexico, in an hour north, an hour north of Cabo San Lucas, in southern Baja. Um, I've pieced together a three-acre campus um, on the beach uh, that's a social enterprise focused on solving a societal ill. The societal ill is that more and more people in midlife are feeling irrelevant. And um, in being er, feeling irrelevant, the, the, the point of that yeah. is people are feeling like power is moving 10 years younger in the digital economy, and we're all going to live 10 years longer because of longevity patterns. So we've created 20 years of additional irrelevancy yeah. for those in midlife. Yeah. And what that means is that people are having to figure out how to repurpose themselves and how to, sort of um reframe their mindset around aging um i'm 58 and uh longevity sites online say that i'm going to live to 98. if that is true i am only halfway through my adult life so my adult life will will last from age 18 to 98 and at 58 so when i when you think about the fact that my god i'm only halfway through my adult life it's part of the reason why i took up spanish last year i live in in mexico part of the time and i didn't know spanish i knew French, but in no Spanish. So how, do, how did I, you know, how did I decide that? Well, because i got a lot of years ahead of me. I started surfing a year ago. Like, you know. You only started
0: a year ago. I only started a year ago. I thought ago. you would have been a
1: veteran going yeah. down
0: to Cabo there. No,
1: no. I was like, you know, just okay. hadn't done it. And Santa Ana said, you know what? I I'd like to do that. So I, I think that part of what the Modern Elder Academy is about, helping, helping people to understand how to navigate the natural transitions that happen in midlife. Um, because there's a lot of transitions yeah. from... Empty nest syndrome, to divorces, to changing your job, to parents dying, to menopause, to um, you know all kinds of things. All these
0: like taboo topics, almost where there's just not a lot of information, or there's not people who are really candidly talking about
1: things. That's right, like that. and and this is really frankly, I mean, women are so much better at this generally in terms of talking about the vulnerable subjects. Men are not, and so I think that what's been fascinating is to see men come to the program and say, "Oh my gosh, yeah. I, I've needed this so badly."
0: Do you so, find that your programs are pretty? easy? equally split men and women or it's it about
1: sixty percent women 40 percent men and um, so I'd like to see that men number get a little bit yeah. higher but uh, the trend line good in terms of men's men signing up
0: yeah yeah I love the idea of having a, a elder academy or and, and having people there because it's it's important and you're doing great work with that okay. is that what your plan is in terms of building on your on your wisdom at work
1: yeah I think this is the uh, there's a there's a category, I think, of, of new kinds of places, new kinds of, it's something what I would call the, the midlife wisdom school. And I think um, 40 years ago, again, Mills Zuckerman created Canyon Ranch, famous, what's now famous um, destination spa mm-hmm. resort. Now, spas had existed for thousands of years, but nobody had really sort of created what, a category um in the in the modern sort of hospitality real estate world called the destination spa Resort. so i think similarly 40 years later this idea of a midlife wisdom school we call ours modern elder academy is going to be something in the future and we're just we've created the first one
0: you're on the cutting edge
1: i hope so and i hope that we are also a catalyst for other people around the world to create their version of it and, you know i've been on the board of Burning Man. i've been on the board of the esalen institute down in big sur which is a personal growth retreat center both of those nonprofits based upon uh, Esalen starting in 1962, Burning Man starting in 1987, they were so catalytic mm-hmm. in, in influencing other people to say, let's create more personal growth retreat centers like Esalen, or let's create more yeah. transformational festivals like Burning Man. So both of them, even though there's only one of them, um, they've created you know hundreds yeah. of others that are have tried to be like them
0: yeah I, we and I'm, I'm all for having more of those as well speaking of burning man because i know that's a common thread you and i share mm-hmm. so i talk about this in pause the book where burning man was the last week of my pause it was the first time i ever went i went almost against my will almost there when i was there first and it was it ended up being a mind-blowing Profound experience for me just because it was out of my element And I realized all these things that I would never have gone through yeah. if I hadn't been there So to you, what is it that you, you know, you're on the board can you share a little bit about how that helps you? Sure. And then, you know, why <clears throat> is it a good pause to be at Burning Man? Well,
1: I've been going for about 20 years and um, And I was originally intrigued by it because some of the more creative people in my company, companies would go every year It felt like a pilgrimage you know, the word pilgrimage yeah. is not something you use to describe people going to events or music festivals or things like that. So it felt like they were going for a reason that was way beyond just sort of a, a party. Yeah. So I was intrigued by that. And then I went my first time and I, and I went after a, a, a breakup of a long-term relationship and I was sort of ready to burn something and have something new come out of it. I'm My first hotel um, for Joana Viva is called The Phoenix. It's a rock and roll hotel here in San Francisco. Yeah, I know it. And... um. I'm a Scorpio, my first is a Phoenix. So, that, so there's something about, you know, regeneration. Rising. But, yeah, rising from the ashes. <laughs> and so the idea of Burning Man actually sort of resonated with me. And then I went, and what I really loved, back then, you know, we didn't have cell phones, but there was just really just like, you were just so randomly, you're, you, yeah. you had no calendar. You just sort of went and did what you wanted to do. And I just sort of appreciated the serendipity. The nature of it, the fact that I could just go ride my bike and see who I ran into. And I remember that first year, um, Moby, this is 20 years ago. I loved mm-hmm. Moby 20 years later. I still love, love, love Moby then. Me too. And I was listening to Moby on my um, Sony Walkman. Walkman? Okay, I, I knew that was coming. During the Sony Walkman out on the playa. Wearing some crazy thing, riding my bike, and some guy comes up and just starts riding with me. And for the next half hour, him listening to his Sony Walkman, me, me listening <laughs> to mine, having no idea what he was playing or listening to. I, we just slithered through the through the, the deep playa way out there, like two snakes um, on a desert yeah. floor. And when time had come for us to say goodbye to each other, we just waved. And I didn't know if I'd ever see him again, but for that half hour, I felt with him just sort of going, I felt like, hey, this is sort of my tribe. This is my, this is. so I, the sense of immediacy. So one of the things that's, one of the 10 principles that defines uh, Burning Man is immediacy. And immediacy really speaks to something that's very much about pause, mm-hmm. the idea of just being here now, being in this moment. I'm sitting with you right now, Rachel, and I've had a really crazy week. Been in New York, I go to Austin, Texas for South by Southwest tomorrow, and I'm nuts. We had a New York Times article come out this week that was sort of like, mm-hmm. not exactly what we were expecting. This is related to Modern Elder Academy, and um, I've got a lot going on. And the thing about our normal life is we always will have a lot going on. And we, our brain gets used to actually even creating things. Yeah to actually make sure that they distract us. The thing that about a place like Burning Man, and it doesn't have to, you don't have to go out to the desert to Burning Man to do this, you could do this on a no. deserted beach. You can do this just doing a, every Sunday morning walk in, in a, a local park. Um, but the opportunity to disconnect from our devices, to disconnect from our normal habits, especially our thinking habits, and to be in a place where we can have some solitude uh, to go deeper. And maybe with another friend, a, you know, a pause can be something you can do. Yeah. You don't have to be solo to do it. But I think solo is pretty good, because generally mm-hmm. I'm here now with you and our mirror, mirror neurons in our brains are playing together. Firing and, it up. And, and they, they have, we have a good time. But, but then we become, we sort of go with the what could be internal antenna to letting the external antenna come out as well. And that sometimes means you actually distract what's yourself from what's happening inside. So I just think that um, yeah. Burning Man is a, a great place to have that. Now I will say at the same time, wow, it takes a lot of willpower with all the distractions at Burning Man to sort of use it as a place to go inside. Because and it's not just the distractions of parties and nudity and you know great music shows, music art, everything. But it's it's more the the distraction of just. Interesting people and yep. the utopian society. So, there's a lot of things that can sort of blow your mind, and there's a real opportunity there to um, see your habits in the default world. Uh, be blown up.
0: Yeah. Immediacy is such a good example of that. And then the here and now is what I really just remember is you don't have the digital distractions. Mm-hmm. There's no Wi Fi there, really. There is now. You a had little bit. Walkman,
1: yeah, there's just, yeah. Back then no. Yeah. Yeah. It's starting to, you know, there's you can pick up Wi Fi now, which is yeah. not great. So you know.
0: Yeah. And it, and it's just a, it's another lens to see your life through, which I think yeah. is really really great so I commend you for being on the board and being such a veteran 20 years wow I only went for four but I hope to go back great well is there anything that you'd want to leave us with like a a, um, words of wisdom
1: a pearl Mm. from
0: your book or just something that you know what would be one thing that you'd want our our listeners to
1: take away today I will tell you that the three most important sentences in my life um, came from a book by Viktor Frankl Man's search for meaning and um, I'll I'll share them with you here because I, I absolutely think they speak to the idea of pause. So he wrote, and for those who don't know Victor Frankl, he was an Austrian psychologist who ended up in a concentration camp because he was Jewish. All of his family died; he was the only person who didn't die. Um, and he said, between stimulus and response is a space. In that space. Is your power to choose your response, and in your response lies your growth and your freedom. So, <laughs> it's—I mean, if, if you're having a bad week, bad month, read that book because you realize you're not in a <laughs> concentration camp, or you might be um, in the concentration camp of your mind, mm-hmm. but you're probably not in a physical one. That's
0: true. And yeah. the
1: idea that whatever happens to us. Um, we, you could say that we're the victim of our circumstances, but we're sort of the, the, the victim of our um, reactions a lot of times. And so how we move in life from being reactive to being responsive is, I think, part of the journey of um, adulthood and maturing. Because mm-hmm. as we're younger, we are more reactive. That's how our brains work. And as we get older, we actually are less reactive. I'm not saying, again, these are stereotypes, but they're they're, they're stereotypes that actually have been shown in brain science. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Now, there's some collateral damage for older people. It means that actually sometimes you're not as quick and as adeptly to move fast in terms of your thinking. And yet the other side of it is as you get older, the maturing brain actually is able to go left brain, right brain, much more adeptly. So it means you can think more holistically Um, more synthetically, you can actually get the gist of something more quickly. So I guess what I'll just finish with is to say, um, aging uh, is a time where you do start to learn how do you create that space between stimulus response. And it allows you with time to be able to be calmer, more content. And in the context of a workplace, a really steadying influence, often if you're surrounded by a bunch of younger people. And that's what you bring to the table, along with maturity and wisdom and emotional intelligence. But that, just the calming influence is is can be, mm. it's not always, because not every, not every older person fits what I'm saying. But I will tell you, the average older person at age 60 is a lot more calm and content than they were at age 30. Just, you know, the U-curve of <laughs> happiness shows this. So... So that's my thought. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's great. And I, I love what you were saying just about Victor. He's uh, Victor, Frankel. Victor Frankel. He's the quote at the beginning of pause, the book, actually. It's a big inspiration for me. Oh, so wow. great timing. I yeah. know you didn't know that. Yeah. And <clears throat> my last question is, what do you do for yourself to just continue to, to you mentioned personal growth and what do you, yeah. what do you do to keep yourself always to moving forward and and emerging
1: well i continue to meditate so that helps um that's sort of a basic practice i have um usually i I like to try to do it twice a day but it's usually just in the morning Um, and i do send say a set of um prayers and mantras every day when i take a shower but i love going and doing a vipassana retreat um mark coleman is a a well-known mindfulness teacher he wrote a book called awake in the wild Uh, i've gone with him in loretto bay which is down in the, the baja area um, and we actually, amongst the whales, we, uh, <laughs> we, we kayaked um, wow. for seven days from island to island with a, a, Vipassana, a Vipassana retreat. That was wow. phenomenal. And Mark comes to our Modern Elder Cat Academy later this month to teach. So I, I, I'm going to enjoy that. Wow. So, yeah.
0: You're doing a lot. Well, thank you so much you. for thank sharing you, with us and appreciate all your time today. It's great to have
1: you it, here. I appreciate what you're doing for the world. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening today to the PAUSE CAST. If you like what you heard and you want more of this, I invite you to join me on the Powerful PAUSE Retreat happening April 26th through 28th in downtown San Francisco. We'll have three days to reclaim your vitality while becoming even more successful. We'll have a limited 30 seats. And it's essentially free. If you pay your $100 seat deposit, you will get that back when you walk in the door when we begin on Friday night. What you'll get are a few things. You'll have a personalized pause plan. You'll be working with me and the others to feel renewed, recommit, and reconnect with yourself. What are you waiting for? Go ahead and learn more and sign up at rachelomera.com slash pause retreat.